Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited about this episode today with Bailey Robinson. She was so wonderful to talk to and had so much wisdom to share with you guys. So I'm really excited for you to listen to it. Before we get into it, I just want to answer a few of your questions that you had written in on Instagram. Someone said, I'm dealing with mental health issues. Do you have any suggestions? Well, first of all, you're not alone. I think that with everything going on in the world, it's shocking if someone isn't dealing with mental health issues right now. And it's really... You know, it's something that we're all going through. And I think that there's tons of resources. There are now therapy apps. There are so many therapists that are seeing clients virtually that take your insurance. You know, talk to a friends, like use the resources around you. You don't have to be depressed and have anxiety and feel like your mental health is suffering alone. Like, Truly, truly. I mean, reach out to me. Send me a DM if you're not feeling well and we'll talk about it. But there's so many resources at your disposal. I promise you, Um, you know, and like someone asked, please talk about how your own depression or anxiety can bleed into a relationship. Well, it definitely can. You know, I dated someone who was really unhappy in their job and their career and therefore depressed and it affected our relationship in so many ways. We like weren't having sex. It was just, you know, not good energy. And the reason that it affected the relationship was because this person didn't do the work on themselves and didn't want to, you know, look within them and think, you know, I have some healing to do. And I think that's what's so important. It's like you, people say, don't get into a relationship unless like you're in a great place. Like, you have to be great. Like you have to love yourself in order to love someone else. That's not necessarily true. You do have to do work on yourself in order to be in a successful relationship because without self-awareness, it's almost like you're delusional in your relationship in so many ways. Like I remember all the relationships I was in before I went to therapy. Looking back, I'm like cringing at the things that I said and did because, you know... I had no idea how I was coming off and what my blind spots and my faults were. Um, Someone says, significant other has trauma from a toxic relationship. How to affect the other partner? I think they mean, how does it affect the other partner? It's a serious thing. Like there's definitely, there can be trauma for a relationship where there was 
no abuse there, you know, there's all different types of toxic relationships and, and abuse. And it doesn't have to be physical for you to have like trauma or PTSD from it. And it comes up in so many different ways. Like you might, you know, you might have every time you were alone with your partner, things got really weird and you didn't get along and you fought and you yelled. And so now when you're alone with your partner, you expect it to go the same way. It's like even little things like that, or like your partner didn't want you to sneeze really loudly or chew loudly. So now when you're chewing with your new partner, it's like it can come up in so many different ways. So you just need to make your partner aware of it. Like, hey, I went through this. The reason that I am having this reaction is because in my last relationship, you know, X, Y, and Z happened and it was traumatizing for me. And I'm going to, you know, work through this, but I want to let you know so that when I do go through this stuff, you know where it's coming from and where I'm coming from. Disagreeing with partner on over current events, politics, and moral issues. Can it work? That's really tough. I feel like right now, especially like if your partner doesn't support Black Lives Matter, does not agree with you that like the treatment of Black people in the hands of cops like is not okay. Like, you know, little things, not even little things, big things like that, they will affect you. I think it's so much more significant than like if you disagree on whether or not to wear gloves to the to the grocery store because of COVID. It's it's so much bigger because these are moral issues. Like who your significant other is at their core comes out in these moments. And I think if you don't agree or you don't see eye to eye or you're not willing to see the other person's side and kind of come to some like agreement together, then it's going to be tough because like eventually you're going to be raising kids with this person and it's going to be confusing if like mommy says one thing and daddy says another thing or mommy says one thing and other mommy says another thing. You know, it's like, it's, it's really tough. You have to be aligned. Like you have to be partners in these situations. The doomed feeling that you're missing a year of your early twenties because of Corona. Yeah. I mean that, that's probably shitty. I, I was thinking about it recently and like, I'm so happy I'm almost 30 because I feel like I'm in a place where I needed this time to like reflect and to take a step back and to stop running around and doing a million things, you know, and to actually just like be with my family and be with my boyfriend and be with my, you know, my nephew, my sister, like I'm really enjoying it, but I can only imagine if I were in my early twenties, I'd be like, this is hell. I want to go out. I want to party. Like I just graduated. I wouldn't be enjoying it as much. So I would just say like, you know, this too shall pass. Like you're still young. You still have the other time in your 20s to enjoy. And like, you know, maybe you're being protected from a bunch of dumb decisions that you would have made. And actually this episode talks about like getting fired in your early 20s. Maybe you would have been fired. Maybe you would have really fucked up on a job and you're avoiding that time, which is maybe it's a good thing. So just realize that someone is looking out for you. Yeah, maybe you're missing a year of your 20s, but it's all going to come full circle. Someone wanted me to talk about why some people haven't posted anything. Um, Yeah, I mean, some people, you know, we asked this as an open poll question and some people don't feel comfortable posting. Some people feel awkward. I don't think that's okay, in my opinion. I think that if you're on social media, it's a platform to speak and, you know, hopefully 
create some change. And if you're someone that posts regularly, especially like you're silent during this time, I don't really think that that's helping anyone. I think that it's really important to speak up. You don't know who you're influencing. You might have 200 followers, but you're being an influencer to those people because they know you really well. And that's really important. Taboo on parental sexuality and how it creates problems in family dynamics with adult kids. Um, I don't think that there should be a taboo on parental sexuality. I think you should be, you know, someone asked a question, is it my parents' fault that they're having sex and I heard it when I'm living with them or is it my fault? I mean, first of all, it's no one's fault. It's an amazing, amazing thing if your parents are still sexually active. I personally don't want to think about it, but I've walked into my parents before and it was gross and I was young and I was grossed out. But I look back now and I'm like, well, thank God that they're still, you know, they still want to put their hands on each other and show their love for each other in that way. Like it's a really good thing. And I don't think it should create problems with adult kids. Like I think that if the kids are in the right place, like you should be supportive of that. It's a beautiful thing. The last thing I'll talk about, someone said, you mentioned in the podcast with Laura Wasser that you should end it if your partner could be boring or bad at flirting, but otherwise great. How come? I mean, you just answered it for yourself. Why would you want to be with someone who's boring? Like that's the worst relationship ever. It doesn't matter how they treat you or if they're otherwise great. If they're boring, like that's about how you feel about them. You're not going to date someone because they love you and they're so nice to you. And if you don't want to be around them, if you think they're boring, like that's going to suck when you go on your honeymoon. It's just the two of you. It's going to suck when you go to dinner, just the two of you, when your kids go off to college and you're stuck with that person. Like boring is not okay. Boring is a deal breaker for me at least. Okay. I think that that is good for now. Oh, can people change? Yeah. With therapy. And we actually talk about this in this episode. So stay tuned to find out if people can change and more. And now on to Bailey. So last night, my boyfriend and I finally had a date night. I don't know if you've been following along on Instagram, but we, you know, are living with my parents. So it's really hard to do so. But they went to their friends for like a social distancing outside dinner and we had the place to ourselves and we had a little date night. It was so cute. It was so nice. I cooked for him. And but when I was getting ready, I realized that I don't have any nice clothes with me. Like I didn't bring anything except for like sweatpants, maybe like one pair of jeans. And what I really needed and I realized I had and it kind of like spruced up my whole night and my whole outfit was jewelry. And for me, like I buy myself my own jewelry. I don't expect anyone to get it for me. And that's why I love Majuri and like what they stand for, because Majuri's whole thing is like jewelry for you, like by you, like it's fine jewelry for my damn self. Like we don't need anyone to get it for us. And it's so nice. Like it looks gorgeous. I'm wearing the necklace right now that's engraved. It says Linny, my nickname on it. And I'm wearing my B ring, which I talk about all the time. But last night, like I wore my hoops. I wore my necklace. Like I wore all my rings at once. I just felt so nice. And like I felt dressed up and it was like a real upgrade to what, you know, I've been wearing the past few nights. And obviously I want you to experience this as well. 
their pieces are so amazing and they're not like overpriced. Like for me, I feel like I'm a minimalist and it totally goes with that style if that's something that you're interested in. So for you guys, I'm giving you 10% off your first order if you just go to majuri.com slash Acme. So that's M-E-J-U-R-I.com slash Acme. You'll get 10% off your first order Majuri.com slash Acme. And let me know how you end up styling your jewelry. I'm so curious. Tag me if you post something. Majuri.com slash Acme. You'll get 10% off your first order. Check it out. So worth it. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes. Join me every Monday for a new episode of my podcast, Recovering from Reality. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness. I'm here to deliver intimate conversations and expert insights to empower you on the road towards authentic wellness. So are you ready to recover from reality? Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with published author and blogger and the author of Life Lessons College Failed to Teach You, Bailey Robinson. Hey, Bailey. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So let's just start with a little background info. How old are you, Bailey, and where are you from? I'm 27 and I'm from Orlando, Florida. Awesome. And what is your current relationship status? Single, very much single. I just dropped my whole roster I, my phone is the driest it's been in a very, very long time. Why did you drop your roster? I was just kind of tired of the same guys I was talking to. I was kind of on the fence with the guy that I was seeing in the past. And we kept on doing this whole, okay, let's talk again. Let's not. And I finally just decided to cut off all communication. Um, and then I was seeing another guy back in January and, and it was really casual and I just didn't really see it going anywhere. So I decided to just start fresh and clear the board. I love it. And so I don't know if you've listened to the pod before, but we are very into astrology on here. So I have to ask, when is your birthday? Uh, December 26th. So I'm a Capricorn and I'm love very it. true to a Capricorn. Very true. I love that. What do you usually date if there's like a sign you usually gravitate towards? It's weird. I feel like lately it's been a lot of cancers, which is really weird for me because I feel like they're very emotional. Um, and I'm not that emotional, but I would say I typically get along really well with Virgo. Virgo men. We get so, along. So cancer is actually your opposite sign. So that's probably why, because like you're not necessarily emotional. So you need that emotional. Yeah. <laughs> but then sometimes it's too much because I don't really like a man who cries too much. So yeah. <laughs> Yep. I fully get that. So I asked a few questions on our Instagram just for people to like submit what they'd want to talk about this week. And there's a few different ones. The first one, and I want to, and then I want to get into like what your book is like the message that you're trying to send and stuff. Um, but I feel like this like weaves into it a little. So we talked a little bit about the no contact rule post breakup. Have you heard of that before? I have heard of it. It's funny. Someone DM'd me when we did a poll question about it and they were like, so what's the rule? And I was like, mm. Girl, the rule is no contact. Clearly you've never done it. Literally. Um, but do you believe in that? And like, you know, when was your last big breakup and, and how did you kind of handle the aftermath of that? Sure. So 
January 2019, actually, was the big cutoff. We were done. We were dating for a year. Um, and I really kind of want to take it to the next level and, and make sure that we were on the same page in terms of what we wanted, because I feel like at this age, I'm not dating to date, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always, I joke, I make fun of New York, you know, I'm ready, drop my last name, eggs are ready to be cracked. Like I'm ready. I'm not <laughs> dating just because I want to date. So we ended and that was on my end. I ended up because he wasn't able to give me the things that I asked him for. He wasn't able to prioritize me. And he's just one of those guys that just, that doesn't matter. You could tell him whatever. At the end of the day, if he still wants to talk to you, he's going to still talk to you. So I attempted the no contact with him. I'll be honest, at least five times. I'm talking, he was blocked. Um, then he was messaging me on WhatsApp and then I was responding, which I shouldn't have been. And then I stopped. And then five months later, he popped back up. So oh, yeah, I have yeah. done the no contact so many times. <laughs> Is this, was this person a cancer? Yes. Oh my God. I'm not surprised. Cancers do not move on. No, no. Like that's their MO. Um, And even when they do move on, they're still texting or or calling you for some reason. Always, always. I remember I dated a cancer. Well, I'm actually dating a cancer now. Um, (laughs) But I dated one in college and we broke up. And not only was he still messaging me, but his sister would still message me. And I was like, this is too much. Like I felt bad. She was younger and so sweet. But I was like, we can't do this. Are we talking younger? Like she's like 10 or are we talking like she was no, she was like she was like 13, 12 or 13 at the time. So I was like, oh, this is innocent. Like she doesn't understand like what a breakup is, you know, but I was like, but he should probably have a conversation with her, you know. (laughs) Right, right. It's tough. But I think the no contact rule is just like, you know, hoping that they'll miss me and they'll text me because I haven't contacted them. Right. Which is exactly what I was attempting to do. So I, I did want him back because I didn't break up with him because we didn't have a, a strong connection or anything like that. I just wanted him to wake up and realize that he needed to prioritize me. So I thought that time apart would make him wake up. He would miss me. He would come back and he would do right. And it, unfortunately for me, it never happened. He kept coming back, but it was the same BS. Right. Nothing had really changed on his end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I did the no contact rule with an ex who looking back was such a piece of shit, but it worked. And then he tried to get me back and then we got back together and surprise, surprise, it did not work out. Yeah. Same shit. It never getting back together with someone is just like people don't change unless they go to therapy, I think. Agreed. And that was actually one of the requirements that I had him do. I said, okay, you have to go to therapy. You need to work on X, Y, Z. And the crazy part is he ended up, he, he started going to therapy. He started doing all of the things that I had asked him to do for the new girl that he's dating currently till this day. So another girl is reaping the benefits, which sucks. But at the end of the day, I'm just like, it, it wasn't meant to be. Right. But that's like, that's what we do as women. Like we literally train these guys for other women unless we marry them and it sucks. Yep. Yep. And we make excuses for their behavior all the while t- during it too. Like he yeah. was, he's 36. And the whole time I'm like, well, he's a grown man. Like, you know, he's going to do right. He'll figure it out. He's going to eventually want to, you know, stop doing all these things that young men typically do. And he's just going to wake up one day and really be ready to settle down. And it never happened. Yeah. Because it's like, you can't fall in love with potential. 
Yeah. Yeah. But it, but it is so true. Yeah. It's like we literally condition these guys for our other relationships. And it's, and it's like, that's why when you first start dating someone, like if they like not to get graphic, but like if they finger you a certain way that you like, you don't like, it's because yeah. their ex liked that shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's exactly why. Or if they say certain things, they know what's worked with you before. Mm. They've learned how to wine and dine you. Like, yep, yeah, totally. Okay, so let's talk about your book for a little bit before we get into the next question. So what are some lessons that college failed to teach us? So first things first, um, the main purpose of the book is really to show, it's really for millennials and, and these new college graduates to really just put their happiness first. I think when college graduates graduate, they have all this pressure to do so many things and they want to be great. And they, and some of them don't know what they want to do. And the whole point of the book is for it to be written from a pure perspective. So it's not supposed to be another book. That's like, this is what you need to do in life. And this is how it goes. And a lot of these books are written from, you know, psychologists and they're 35, 40 years old, where mine is really was written from a peer perspective. I was writing it a year after I graduated. So I'm writing it as I'm going through all of these things. So I was fired for crazy reasons. I was working crazy hours. Um, I wasn't really happy with where I was living. I was living in Seattle for two and a half years. And, you know, I stayed because I was working at such a great company, but I was miserable in the city. And so the book really just kind of walks you through just putting your happiness first and not making decisions for other people and, you know, being patient with yourself and what it's like in your first job. And, and then also too, on the flip side, it talks about things outside of work. So, you know, outgrowing friendships. I think that's Mm -hmm. something that college students don't realize, right? We try to force these friendships and relationships with people when sometimes you really just outgrow people. Um, And I think my expectations for friends have have grown right since it was in college before it was like who's available at all times let's go out drinking and I went to Florida State so it was a huge party school right um but now my expectations for my friends are a little different so that's kind of the main aspect of the book it addresses dating there's a, a chapter in there called single as fuck um it addresses friendships and then also to your professional life and interviewing and um, jumping into your career no, I love it. I want to get into the friendships a little because we actually on our last episode talked about it briefly, but I do think that's really interesting. Going back to your job, you said you were fired for crazy reasons. What What are the crazy reasons? So I was working at a, without naming them, I was working at a French company in New York. So I lived in New York for about five years. And this was, uh, I want to say four months into starting this job. And they hired me because I had a significant amount of connections at Nordstrom because I worked in their buying office in Seattle. Um, loved it there, just didn't love Seattle. So I ended up moving to New York, joined this French company, their their contemporary design, contemporary designer. And they hired me knowing like, hey, we wanted someone who had this much skill, but because you have the connections, we're willing, we'll call you this title instead. And we're not going to pay you as much as we were initially planning for this role, but we want to bring you in to really grow you, et cetera, et cetera. So joined the whole team was new. They were trying to expand their footprint in the United States because they're based in Paris. I think I already know <laughs> what company it is, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> we get offline. We get offline. Uh-huh. Um, so join the team. The whole team is brand new, right? They had poached us from all over different retailer fashion companies in New York. And they gave me this crazy task 
Um, they wanted me to plan out an entire sample sale. And typically sample sale is a lot of work to plan out. I don't know if you've ever been to one in New York, yeah. Um, but it's a lot of planning beforehand because you have to identify all the inventory, et cetera. So they gave me two weeks to plan something that typically you should start planning out a month and a half, maybe a month in advance. So not only did they give me half the time to plan something, I was brand new. So I'd gone from working on the buying side, was working in wholesale sales for the first time. And not only that, but a week of that, I was sent to Paris for market. So I have no time to plan. So I'm working crazy hours. I'm waking up at 5 a.m. starting work. I'm getting home at around 11 p.m. And I'm working straight hours. Communicating with my boss. My boss is like, I can't believe they gave this to you. But, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm brand new too. So she knows I'm drowning, not helping me first off, knows I'm drowning, knows the expectations are unrealistic, but says nothing. So I am literally working crazy hours. I pulled an all-nighter and all of a sudden, you know, I'm flying to Seattle for work, doing all of these things. And then finally, they were just like, you know, this isn't working. The sample sale, you know, you're not getting this with the sample sale. They gave me zero training, by the way. So I was supposed to have training from the person before me, had no training. And even me voicing, I need help, I need help. Like no one helped me. I just, they just let me drown. And then finally we're like, we don't need you here anymore. Your last day is on Friday, oh which was or your last day today. And we'll pay you through Friday, which was two days out. So they gave me two days extra pay. That is a joke. It was joke. insane. I have, it's crazy. And in the whole, the whole book, I kind of highlight the timeline. It's insane when you think about it. Um, I got probably a total of, maybe like two hours of training across three weeks, which is nothing when you're going from a completely different sector. So if you're going from the buying office to sales, it's completely different. Um, And my boss said nothing. That was the worst part too, is like she knew it was crazy, but she didn't feel comfortable supporting me in that sense because she was new as well. But that's so ridiculous. I was there for, they fired me after three weeks. Oh, I I actually had a similar situation, but a different uh, a different type of business. I was working as a personal assistant, which I should never do. And I don't know why I was doing it. I like I can't even get my shit in order sometimes like I'm not about to be an assistant. So I found this job through like a headhunter because I was like, you know, really young and, and had no idea what I was doing. I just left being a um, production assistant. So I was like, oh, production assistant, personal assistant, same shit. Um, right. Not same shit. Not, n- couldn't be more different. <laughs> and so I worked for this guy who, um, I, well, I worked for this this music company. And again, like I'll tell you offline, but um, it was this big guy who's, you know, a big deal. And I was working for the president. He was the president at the time. And um he was very particular about everything. Like every morning he would drop his credit card off at my desk and I'd have to get him the same drink from Starbucks, the same like weird salad from the deli, like everything, you know? And I feel like you have to be very humble to be a personal assistant too. Like oh, it's a yeah. very humbling experience. It's very humbling because they don't treat you like a person. And so then one day, um, he was like, I'm going to LA and we were based in New York and he was like, I'm going to LA for a business trip. Um, so you can, you can keep like doing my schedule from, from LA. And I was like, okay. Um, like, I don't know why he ever trusted me. I didn't know shit. And so he's like in LA and I'm trying to schedule, I schedule, a. it's like a huge meeting for him. It's with, 
I think I can say this because I, I don't think I signed an NDA. I won't say what the company was, but it was a big meeting with Miley Cyrus. And okay. at this time, she was transitioning from like Disney star to like bangers. So it was yeah. like a big deal. Um, and she went off the rails and then came back. And- exactly, exactly. And it was like also with another big producer and whatever. And originally we were deciding between like Soho House, West Hollywood for the meeting and like this guy, this big producer's office. And I didn't know, no one confirmed with me like what the actual location was at the end of it. So I ended up sending him to Soho House instead of to where the guy's office was. I mean, to be fair, like they were like four minutes away from each other, like walking distance, which is like really close in LA. But he flipped out. He wrote an email to the entire company after (gasps) saying like, my assistant is an idiot, included me on the email. He was like, she's a fucking moron. Yeah. And she was like, and he was like, and Lindsay is no longer with our company. He then (gasps) called another assistant who was like my friend assistant in the office and had her escort me out of the building. (laughs) That's the thing. This, this kind of stuff makes me mad because I feel like this happens in LA and New York all the time. Yeah. I think people forget, first off, you're, you're human. We all make mistakes, right? Like, and also was this your your what first second job you were it was my first like my second job and he knew it was my first time being a personal assistant and he called me and he was like you ruined my career I fucking hate you I can't stand people like that I think there's a moment in time where it could have been a coaching moment with you versus being like you know this can never happen again but first off public firing you I probably knowing me, I would have been like, at this point, I'm done anyway. I would have re- responded back to the email. <laughs> yeah, I honestly should have. I, and been like, bye guys. It was so fun. Thanks for all the free Twitter, chips. Twitter fingers. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. What a fucking idiot. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So you're single and you're dating. And obviously, like, you know, we can't not talk about what's going on in the world between like you know, COVID and everything that's going on with George Floyd and like, you know, how horribly and Breonna Taylor, like when you're dating someone new, do you feel like now more than ever, it's so imperative to like know where they stand on these issues? I know a lot of people were talking about like, oh, I want to meet someone at a protest because like I know they're like, you know, they're woke, <laughs> they're woke. and like, yeah. yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Like, I don't know if you're actively on the apps right now talking. Well, first off, right now I am so turned off of dating. Like I'm in no mood to date. Mm. Um, but for me as a black woman, I date inside my race. I date outside my race. And I always like race is something I always have to talk about. And I always say this. I'm like, if I end up with a white guy, he has to be woke. Mm. Like he has to understand that at the end of the day, our kids are going to be black. So he has to be comfortable having conversations with our black children. Granted, yes, they're going to be half white, half black. But at the end of the day, society is always going to view them as black. And even more so, race is going to be important to conversate with them about because they're mixed. So sometimes black people are going to give them a hard time because they're calling them they're not black enough. And then Mm -hmm. white people are going to be like, well, you're black. You're not white. So it's even more important with mixed children to have the conversation about race and for them to understand the beauty of both sides, right? Right. And so it's funny because in New York, it's such a melting pot where sometimes guys like to skip over. Like I ask them, like, what's your type? What do you what kind of women do you date? And I ask them this because I want to know 
am I the first black woman that you're dating? Because right. if so, we need to have a conversation about that. Like you need to know, like I wrap my hair at night. Like don't ask me stupid questions about that. Yeah. Like you have to understand that. Um, like there are so many different things I need to know because dating a black woman is very different. And, and for white men who have never dated a black woman, there are things that like you have to explain to them. And there was this one guy I was dating and I met him on Bumble. And it was one of those like vacation flings that like should have never ended, like or should have never started. I always do this where I meet a guy on vacation and I let it go longer than it needs to. Like, it's just like, Bailey, leave them on vacation. Literally, like leave them on the golf cart. <laughs> leave them on vacation. And I keep forgetting to do that. So this is another guy I met on vacation that it lasted way longer than it should have. And I'll never forget, I was staying with him for like a week. This was after we had met. <clears throat> and he, he were on the beach and he looks at me and, and we're talking about race. And he's like, well, you know, as a white man, like no one ever feels bad for white men. Like there's no scholarships for white guys. Like no one feels, no one does anything for white men. And I just sat there and I looked at him and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Did you really just say that to me? And I had to explain to him that like the history of black people and, and, and just minorities in general and why there are scholarships for them. Right. Um, and just I will never let that comment go because we ended shortly after that. But that was one thing I, I couldn't let go. I couldn't forget that he made that comment. I felt like it was so ignorant. So um, ignorant. Like no one yeah. has it better than white men. No one. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you look, look at executive level positions. Look right. at CEOs. All of y'all are white and all of y'all are men. <laughs> Get out of here with that. Yeah. I literally went in on him. <laughs> As you should. But yeah. like, so now if someone, if someone like messaged you on a dating app, is that something you would bring up in like the first conversations or would you kind of wait until like a face-to-face? I would wait for a face-to-face conversation. I feel like that's like kind of heavy to intro with. It's like, mm-hmm. first off, before we even get to that point, obviously it's a requirement for me to have that conversation and to know where they stand. But I think in the beginning, like just to see if you even like vibe or if a conversation can flow that's the first point and then on the first date especially now more than ever it's definitely something I would bring up yeah and you mentioned you wrap your hair at night like what are other differences that you think there are to dating black women so I think we're very very opinionated we're very strong women right we're we're, we've meant to be independent I think we have this and I don't want to speak for all black women but I guess for me I have built this kind of like, I protect myself. Mm. And so it takes us a little bit longer to open up in certain aspects because we're not as trusting. And I always say like, my glass starts empty. Like you've got to pour in a little bit as we go. And and that's when I'll start to trust you. So I think we have a little bit of a wall up sometimes Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of us have been burned quite a few times. So once that happens, we're not going to be like, oh, like I know my my person's out there and I'm ready for it. And, and I'm like very optimistic where I'm kind of like, like sometimes I'm just like, oh, men suck. Like, I'm yeah. like, prove to me that you're different because at this moment in time, like I'm just, I need a break from you guys, right? right. Mm-hmm. I think we just have this like level of sass to us. I know I do. I'm very sassy. Um, I give it where I, I can take it and I also give it. Um, I think I'm pretty independent. So, you know, I make my own money you know, I work hard, but I also like to be spoiled too, in that sense. Um, what else? I think I would say sassy. We wrap our hair at night. Oh, just 
just vacation etiquette. Like I'm not just mm. jumping in the pool to get my hair wet every single time. Like yeah. it's going to be important. Like we're doing an excursion or something and then right. I have to plan. Like, okay. What am I, how am I going to do my hair that night? You know, what is, what's my outfit going to be? So there's, there's different things that like black women act like on vacation too, in terms of our hair, like one vacation I went on, I was like, you know what, I'm going to wear braids because I don't want to deal with my hair the whole trip. I just want to be able to jump in the water when I want to. But if I'm wearing my hair like this, where it's straightened or curled or whatever, I'm not just hopping in the water willy nilly. Right. I love it. <laughs> um, okay. Another question that we were asked, and then we're going to do some rapid fire poll questions, which are really fun. So we had asked a question like two days ago. Is it harder to convince yourself someone is the one or someone isn't the one? What's your take on that? Like what's worse if you have to convince yourself someone is the one or you have to convince yourself someone is not? If you have to convince yourself that someone is the one, I think that's worse. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I feel like we're trying to force it, right? Like we're like, okay, you know, but let's say I'm like, oh, but his family's racist, but like, he's not racist. So like, mm-hmm. you know, this can work. Like tr- trying to justify some things that it's just like, these are deal breakers. And, and I think every woman... And I think men too, we all have our deal breakers, right? And when we start to kind of overlook our deal breakers, it's like, but like, are we trying to make this puzzle piece fit when it actually doesn't fit? And I think too, we end up wasting time, right? Like we end up wasting time with the wrong person because we're trying to make certain things fit into what we're looking for when in reality, it it just doesn't. Yeah, no, I agree. I also feel like there's nothing worse than trying to convince yourself someone's the one. If you're trying to convince someone yourself someone isn't the one, I feel like it just shows you're afraid of commitment, which is like not a reflection on who the person is. Right. Something where you have to look and be like, okay, something, you know, this is a recurring theme. Like now you need to start to look inward as to what are you doing? What are you putting out there? I agree. Yeah. So friendship right now, at least for me, is like a very sensitive topic. And you mentioned you talked about it a lot in your book. Like I have a lot of friends like who are white, who are not speaking out, not posting, um, for sure not reading anything. Like I, I'm so over people who are like, just because I didn't post doesn't mean I'm not doing... Like, no, you're not doing not. shit. Like you're literally not, not doing shit. Um, not. I had a friend that I was like, fuck it, I'm going to call her out. So I texted her to call her out. And she Mm -hmm. first, she knew I was going to call her out because she was like, Hey, like just getting ready for this protest. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, fucking right. Like, yeah, fucking right. But it's like, you know, how do you know if a friendship isn't serving you anymore? Like, what are you looking for in a friend right now that you were not looking for in college? Um, well, I, I want to respond to what you were saying earlier mm-hmm. in terms of like whole people don't know in terms of like the lanes that they want to take, if they're posting, if they're educating themselves, if they're having tough conversations. And the one thing I'll say to that is I think right now, like why people are so overwhelmed because they're seeing so many dis- like different types of things on Instagram. Something is saying, well, if you don't post, you're not anti-racist, or if you're just posting about your everyday life. Uh, you're not anti-racist or there's all these different conflicting messages where people are so confused. How do I, how do I do this? Do I talk to my black friends, but then they're not supposed to educate me. What I will say is that aside from just not being silent, there's no prescription for how you should be communicating or talking to your black friends. I think everyone is different. 
Um, I have a lot of respect for my non-people of color friends that have reached out to me because it is a tough conversation, right? It's uncomfortable, but unfortunately, Black people have spent their entire life uncomfortable. So you having to reach out to me and thinking that it may be awkward for maybe four minutes that you're contemplating whether you should do it or not, like you need to just do it, right? In my eyes, if you want to ask me questions, I'm open to having conversations with my friends Um, because at the end of the day, if I can help educate you, like we already have that relationship. I already know where your heart is. And if you're asking questions and I know they're coming from a good place, I will say that I will help my friends and I will have the tough conversations with them. Not all people are like that. That's just me personally. Yeah. But I think for me, loyalty is number one. I have to make sure I can trust you. I know that you have my back. I think as an adult, I've had so many life emergencies and you really see the people that are your allies and and are there for you, people that pull through. One of my friends, she is out of town and she has a car in New York and Brooklyn. And you know the, the drill, you got to move your car on different side of the street. Mm. She asked me, no questions asked. I'm going to do that for you. I'm not going to be like, well, this is really inconvenient. Like, well, can I use your car to do this? That's just not how I work, right? I, I don't do tip or chat relationships. Right. Um, but I know that when I need something, she's always there to help me. Like she drove three hours for me to get my puppy from the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. And it was no big deal. And I think Friends that you can know and you can talk to and you can go to them for things. I think that's the people that have really shown me their true colors. I think the other thing too is I appreciate friends with that have varying backgrounds to my own, right? Um, I have a lot of friends from the fashion industry, which I used to work in, that started as colleagues and now they've become close friends and mm-hmm. I'm going to their weddings and we can have conversations that aren't just work-related. We can talk about personal things. We can talk about family um, I think it's just having it where it's not a lot of effort. You don't feel like you're having to be someone else in the conversation. You're having to dress a certain way. I yeah. feel like if I can show up at your house and look crazy and not have to explain to you why I look crazy, like right. that's a friend. Mm-hmm. That's a friend. And like go in their fridge. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but now we're going to go over, we're going to do some rapid fire poll questions. And then I'm going to ask you for a quote. Maybe it's from your book. Maybe it's just something that you like in your life. Okay. Been dating someone for eight months and pretty serious from the start, connected really fast, moved in together at five months, but you haven't met their mom yet. Is that weird? How old is she? She's 28. Mm -hmm. Mm, I don't think that's weird. No. Okay. I don't think it's weird at all. Am I supposed to give you a full explanation? No, no. It's just, it's just a yes or no. It's just a yes or no. Okay. Do you follow one night stands on Instagram? I do not know. If someone postponed their wedding to next year, but are still getting legally married now, do you get them a gift now or wait until actual wedding? Wait. Yeah. You're dating a great guy for the past few years, but he does literally everything his mother asks and prioritizes that even though he's entirely an adult. Red flag or deal breaker? Red flag. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not okay. Maybe deal breaker even. I don't know. Yeah. Um, is it better if they text you all day or call once a day to check up on you and chat? I say call. I, I say both because I'm needy. I, I was just going to say both too, but then I'm like, am I, am I allowed to say both? Is yeah, that Yeah. Yeah. Cool? Well, for or, no, yeah. One or the other works for me. I agree. Can people become self-aware without therapy? Yes. Okay. Last one. Oh, I actually disagree with you on that, by the way. Really? Like, you- only like if they survey their friends and they're like, what's what's bad about me? Like, what are my faults? Like, what are this? Like, then yeah. 
That's, but that's what I was going to say. I was going to, I was thinking when I said yes, I have friends, I don't know about you, but I have friends that check me on the regular. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that has been like, that's humbling. Yeah. They're always checking me. Right. You need to have (laughs) friends like that. Okay. You don't have big boobs or butt, but your significant other follows Instagram models or Playboy playmates with risque photos. Do they wish that you looked like them? Yes. Yeah. Like the. That's weird. Like yeah. either t- either pay for me to get my boobs done, or like, right? Like say it to my face. Yeah. Um. All and right. Then sponsor it. Right. Right. So we usually end our episodes with a quote or piece of advice that has helped you throughout the years. So if you can think of one. Okay. I think I'll, I'll choose a timely piece of advice. So for your non-people of color listeners, I'll mm. kind of backtrack to what I said earlier. There is no prescription for how you interact with your black friends. Every black person is different, but as long as you acknowledge what's going on and you are speaking out for the black community, that's all you can do because at the end of the day, non-people of color have a better chance of getting through to non-people of color that are stuck in their same ways. So that is the biggest advice I could give. Saying something at all is better than being silent and just acknowledging it is the biggest thing that you could do for the black community right now. I love that. Thank you so much, Bailey, for your wisdom. Can you tell all of our listeners where to follow you and find you and read you? Sure. So you can follow me at at Robin Bailey on Instagram. So that's R-O-B-I-N-B-A-Y-L-I-E. And my book is available on Amazon, Life Lessons College Failed to Teach You. And if you'd like to read some excerpts or some articles that I've written, you can visit my blog at thebasics.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bailey. You're awesome. Stay safe. You too. Hope everyone enjoyed the episode. Feel free to write us a review on the podcast app um, and hope everyone has a good one.